Good morning again. Can, can everybody hear me okay? They asked me to talk in my strong voice. That's my mama voice, and I'm afraid you all would leave if I did that, so I won't, I won't bring my mama voice this morning. Um, but I was asked also to um, offer up an announcement that wasn't in the video, and that has to do with the Easter egg hunt. Um, and if you all would be so kind to bring bags of candy um, to fill the eggs, and we need those by next Sunday. So bring candy for the Easter eggs for next Sunday, okay? All right, we've got a lot to talk about today, so um, I want to just jump right in. And um, primary scripture, John chapter 12, but we're going to start because I want to make sure that we give enough background so that when we get to the main course, we understand why we're there. Is that fair enough? Okay, so I want to start, and I call this part the Lazarus family part one. Okay, this is in Luke chapter 10, if you want to turn with me, we're going to be using the NIV today, the scripture should be up here, I'm going to go ahead and just read this quickly, starts in verse 38, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him, she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Martha has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. So we find some sibling rivalry going on right off the bat, right? And here's Martha, and she's compelled to do this work. She is. She's compelled. But I'm not even sure at this point in her life she really understands why. It's just what she does. It's more than just what the women would do. It's what she does. But she's resentful in it, and she doesn't understand why her sister isn't in there helping her. And I get that. I've been there plenty of times. I still find myself there occasionally. And here's Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. And, we, you know, we could talk about Mary and who she really was. Was she Mary Magdalene or was she not? Was she a prostitute? Or what? We, I don't know. There's lots of speculation about this Mary. But the point is this. She's sitting at the feet of Jesus and she's hearing the word. And Jesus understands that it's the word is more important than food. He didn't say to Martha, what you're doing is bad or wrong. He didn't say that. It wasn't what she was doing. It was what was in her heart that was messing her up. Mary's chosen better. That's the Lazarus family part one. Here's the Lazarus family part two. And this is in John chapter 11. This is a little bit long, so bear with me. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. Now, it's funny here because John commentates on his own commentary, which I think is kind of funny. And here's a spoiler alert. He's going to tell you what's going to happen in the next chapter because, of course, he's writing this years later, okay? But this is like the first major spoiler alert. Here's what he says. Uh, this... This was the same Mary who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. Yeah, okay, well, we didn't know that yet, but now we do. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. 
When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And I want to stop there just for a minute. This word love, it's phileo love. This, this was brotherly love that he felt toward this family. I, this was his spiritual family. You get that? You know people that may not necessarily be related to you, but they're your spiritual family. And the closeness, the bond that you feel with these people, and when they hurt, you hurt. When they mourn, you mourn. When they're happy, you're happy. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. That really doesn't make sense to me, but that's what he did, and we know why. And then he said to the disciples, to the disciples let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It's when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Well, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Insert the emoji this, the face plant. I I can just see him, you know. I I don't like to give human characteristics to God, but Jesus was human. And you've got to think at this moment, he's like, Really? So he goes on and plainly says, Lazarus is dead. Oh, I get it now. And for your sake, I'm going, for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let's go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Eeyore, no, that's not what it says, as Didymus, (laughs) said to the rest of the disciples, and I can just hear him, let's go on and die. I mean, that was, again, you know, if I'm looking, I'm going, really? Really? That's your takeaway from all this? Well, we might as well go on and die with him because that's where we're headed. Yeah. After, on his arrival in Bethany, remember, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother, professional mourners, if you will. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, out away from the village. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I I know, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection, in the last day. Jesus said to her, I am right now. I am right now today. I am right now standing in front of you. I am the resurrection and the life, he says. She's looking to something in the future. He's saying, I'm standing right in front of you. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she said. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. 
After she'd said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and he's asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. That's all she said. There was no hope, just accusation. But some of them, no, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. He was mad, okay? He was angry. Where have you laid him, he said. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. A lot of speculation about why he was crying. Was he crying because his brother Lazarus was dead? No, I, don't, I don't think so, because he knew he had the power in him. He said, he'd already said, I'm the resurrection and the life. It wasn't because Lazarus was dead. I think he's weeping because these people that he's been with for so long, and they still, they still don't get it. And some of the Jews said, oh, see how he loves him. But others said, well, he opened the eyes of the blind. He can't. Why didn't he keep this guy from dying? Jesus, once more, deeply moved. He's, he's, <laughs> he went from anger to tears. Now he's mad again. When he, hears. he came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. Practical Martha, the administrator in Martha, steps up and says, But Lord, by this time there's bad odor. He's been in there for four days. She still doesn't quite get it, does she? And Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you'll see the glory of God? He doesn't wait for an answer. This is a rhetorical question. And he tells them to move the stones away, the stone. So they did that. But he does this thing next. He, He prays. He looks up. And he says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And then it's like he has this one-on-one with you. He says, I know you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Isn't that interesting? I'm praying out loud because they, they need to hear it, to know who I am. I know you know that I know that you know but they don't know. When he'd said this, he called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out. His hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and the cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. He didn't smell. Because what God does, he does completely right? He's the resurrection. He doesn't partially do anything. Everything that he does is complete. Now Martha understands. I want to change gears here for just a minute. We're going to go to the Old Testament just for a minute before we get to the meat, the main course, okay? 
This is in Exodus chapter 12, if you want to turn there with me. The Lord said to Moses, I'm sorry, starting in verse 1. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, this month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. He's changing their calendar. He's setting what we know as the Jewish calendar. We don't work on that. We work on five. Tell me what calendar. Natalie gets the prize. All right. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day, say that with me, the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day, say that with me, the 14th day of the month, when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Why would I read this scripture? What does this have to do with Jesus and on? This is the first Passover getting ready to happen. The Israelites are still in bondage in Egypt, but Moses is there. The plagues are, have been happening. The Pharaoh's heart's been hardened. But now comes the tenth plague, and God is giving instructions. We're starting something new here. Choose a lamb from the sheep or the goats. Why would he say that? Have you ever read the lineage of Jesus? I'm just going to tell you there's some goats in that line. Yeah? There are. There's some goats. Can't be more than a year old. Must be totally without blemish. So it's important for us to notice the Jewish calendar, the Jewish day begins when? At twilight. So as the sun is going down, it's the start of a new day. I, I tell you as many times as I've told myself that over the past month or so, I still can't get it in my head. But it, it, it totally impacts this whole story. So we've got to understand, new day at dusk, okay? I want to tell you a little bit over lands. They're chosen in advance on the... Tenth day, choose the lamb. This allows for them to be brought in, often into the family home even. And they're inspected for five days. They're inspected to ensure, number one, that they're free from from blemish. And what they would do, as I understand traditionally, as they're going to look, maybe they go out to where the shepherds are or where they're pinned up, whatever, and they check the legs first because it's rocky terrain. So they would wash and anoint the legs to see if they were. And the ones that had been anointed, they knew that those legs had been checked and there was no obvious defect in the legs. And that's the kind that you want. So they would bring those in to the household or to the family, if you will. And then the inspection would take place for five days to make sure that they were absolutely without blemish, no sickness, no rashes, no nothing, the perfect lambs, okay? 
So now we're going to go to Lazarus Family Part 3, and this is our primary scripture for today. It's John chapter 12, starting in verse 1. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served, while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. I want to stop before I read this next one. And I want you to, I want a little introspection here, okay? How many of you, have you, I hope I'm not the only one, but, well, maybe I do hope I'm the only one, have ever seen someone, maybe in extravagant worship or spending a lot of money on, on something that to us seems over the top? How many people could we have fed? How many water filters could we take to Peru, you know, with what that cost? And we stand in judgment over what someone else is doing. I've done it. I pray I don't ever do it again, but I've done it. John goes on to commentate a little bit more here. He says this. He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. But Jesus said, leave her alone. It was intended that she should save this perfume. And there's a word here that it's not in the NIV, but it's in several of the other versions. It says, anticipating the day of my burial. You'll always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. I want to make some important points here. And I want to, I want to get done with the negative part right off the bat. Judas, in his question about, you know, well, that's a year's wages. Think about how many people we could listen. He's speaking to the religious part in us. You think people didn't agree with him? (laughs) I'm telling you, they did. The people who really didn't know in their heart what was going on, they agreed with him to the point that Jesus had to tell them, leave her alone. Who knows what they were doing? They might have been trying to drag her away. It doesn't say, but he tells them, leave her alone. In your guide, it says there, be careful not to mistake religion with worship. The more I thought about it, I thought of it another way that might make a little more sense, and I would say it this way. Be careful not to replace your worship with religion. Now, I don't want to disqualify service. (laughs) Listen, we need it. If you want to minister to somebody, feed them. Did you hear me? Meet their needs. It's a good thing. I'm not saying that it's not. But be careful in your actions that you don't replace what's meant to be worship with a religious deed. 
That's all I want to say about that. I want to go to the good stuff now. I want to talk about the family, okay? Lazarus, he is dead. Now he's alive, eating at the table. Do you know that I haven't found in any scripture where Lazarus ever says a word? (laughs) It's not recorded that he ever speaks. It's probably why Jesus loved him so much. He was nice and quiet, right? Y'all got that friend that's just really quiet and you just love to be around them because you can just kind of go, ah, I'm not that person. So, okay. So my note says here, talk about Martha next. So I want to talk about Martha next. She was compelled to serve earlier on. She resented Mary that she wasn't. I wrote out here, she was probably really bossy too. I mean, the fact that she would say, "Um, Jesus, you might want to rethink this. He has been dead for four days. Like he didn't know, (laughs) right? Can you relate to that? I, I think she probably, her primary spiritual gift was serving, but she was also an administrator. There's no doubt, man, she can run a house. That's Martha, and I can relate to that part. I'm not a server, but I'm an administrator, and I like to run the show. It's just how God made me. So she starts out as this person who's resentful in her own gifting, in her own quality, in the way that she's made, and she's struggling against. Why? Because she doesn't know who she is yet. She doesn't fully understand who Jesus is yet. She's got a glimpse, but she doesn't know him fully in the beginning. And so her resentment takes place over all. But then later, when Lazarus is dead, she expresses hope, doesn't she? I know you'll raise him up in the last day. She's starting to get it. Yes, I believe, she said. She did declare her faith. I do believe that you are the son of God. She says that very clearly. She's not quite there, but she's getting there, isn't she? In the last passage, there's not a whole lot. But let me tell you, it packs a wallop. Martha served. She served. Sounds like a very simple thing to say. But that word here, it doesn't mean that she waited tables. That's not what it means. It says that she ministered both to the physical and spiritual needs of the people in the room. Now, fully believing, Martha is living her calling. So if you're filling in, Martha went from resentful sister to hopeful believer, to servant minister. What a transformation in this woman. You know, Mary gets the attention in this story, but Martha is not to be outdone. She's come into herself through her belief in Jesus. She's finally put her faith in him, and she sees Because of who he is, she can be who she is. She knows now, he doesn't just love Lazarus. He loves me too. And I don't have to resent being the way God made me because he loves me. And he made me. Isn't that good stuff? I'm telling you, this is good stuff. And then there's Mary. So you remember what we read in Exodus about the choosing of the lamb? Remember that? 
on what day? Tenth day. I'm going to reread John uh, 1, 10, 1 through 3. Let's see. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Chapter 12, sorry. Here a dinner was given in his honor. Martha served. Mary took a pint of the pure nard, and she anointed his Okay, because you remember you're moving backward. He would have come in during the day time. He said earlier, look, we're only traveling during the day. I'm not going to hide from anybody. What we do, we do in the light. So we know we travel during the day. He enters Bethany on the ninth day of Nisan, on the sixth day. But then there was dinner. Dinner was later. And at twilight, what day was it? It was the tenth day. Of Nisan, do you get where I'm going with this? And when is the lamb supposed to be anointed? On the 10th day. You think Mary knew that? I don't think she had a clue what she was doing. But she was compelled to do. It was flat-out worship. And it wasn't just flat-out worship. Do you know that it was a shame for a woman to take her hair down in front of anybody but her own husband? She's shameless in it. They'd walked from where, Judea? I don't know, they, or no, they were walking to Judea, but who knows where they came from? No, I do know where they came from. They'd been at Zacchaeus' house. they just walked back from Jericho. That's a six-hour walk. So now here they are. They've walked six hours. They come into town. They're coming into the dinner. You want to take a guess at what's on his feet? Because I don't. But in her worship, she says, whatever you got on you, I want it on me. Face down, hair down, shameless, uninhibited worship. And Mary fulfills something that day because we were instructed by God all the day, choose your lamb. And so she, they anointed the feet with oil to say, this one doesn't have any broken bones. And she anoints the lamb. In doing this, she fulfills the law. There's more. Something else I want to say. It was customary during Jesus' lifetime to anoint those that are convicted of a capital crime prior to their death because there may not be time to do it later. They might be thrown into a grave or something, so they would go ahead and anoint them ahead of time. You remember what Jesus said about that she was doing this in anticipation of his burial? Isaiah and Jeremiah both refer to Jesus as being like a lamb led to the slaughter. The Jews would have understood that this lamb was the deliverer that delivered them from slavery, and he did do that. But he did something else. He did more. Because later, here comes John the Baptist, and when he sees Jesus off, he goes, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This was new. The lamb was only about deliverance. What is this? Taking away sin? No, no, that's a whole other sacrifice. No, there's only one sacrifice left. And this Passover lamb, he won't just deliver you. He's going to take away your sin. He's going to be the convicted, con- the convict up on there. So what does Mary do? She anoints him before his death. She's anticipating his death, and she doesn't even know it. Why? Because he's going to the cross convicted of your sin and my sin. Behold the Lamb of God 
who takes away the sin of the world. And in doing this, she's fulfilling the prophets. She doesn't know that. All Mary's doing is worshiping at the feet of Jesus. Wow. Can you imagine that something you might do would fulfill the law and the prophets? Can you imagine that our worship could be something so much more than what we think? I'm going to ask the worship team up, and I want you to take a few minutes to be a little introspective here. And I want to ask you, where are you? Where are you in this family? Are you the resentful sister? God's put gifts in your life, and you don't really like them, and you wish you had something different? I went years with that. I've actually had a pastor tell me one time, you don't have feminine gifts. I argued with God for years over that. Why did you make me this way? I wanted to be Betty Crocker. I wanted to be that mom that had cookies ready for my kids when they came home from school. And I felt like I wasn't good enough because it wasn't me. I would have rather been reading a dictionary. I'd rather be organizing something. And I resented God for it for a long time. Listen, I battled it for a years is that where you are are you dead like Lazarus some of us are just dead you know you might still be dead in your sin or maybe you're just you know like in a spiritual coma totally apathetic you don't feel anything nothing gets through to your heart you're just dead like Lazarus and you need to be resurrected is that where you are Are you like Mary? Who just says, you know, if you'd been here. Things would have been different. Or are you doing this? Are you sitting at the table with Jesus? Are you fellowshipping with him? Are you saying, I was dead, but now I'm alive. I've been born again, and I'm fellowshipping. I'm eating at the table with Jesus. Are you like Mary? Are you worshiping with abandon? Are you like Martha? Have you taken your place and you're ministering to the saints? This family came together, and you know what they did? They picked their lamb. And the Lord says, Passover's coming, and it's time. Pick your lamb. Whose feet are you going to sit at? Who are you going to worship? Pick your lamb because the Passover's coming. You guys are. I don't I don't know a lot of you that well. But I want to take a minute to to invite you. If you're at that place and you would say, you know, I just, I want to be that person, but I'm not. I'm struggling. I'm dead. I'm apathetic. I'm kind of there. I have hope, but I don't fully believe. If I fully believed, my actions would show that. I wouldn't be afraid. I wouldn't be embarrassed. If you're that person, just 
reach out to God. Because he says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Put your trust in him. If you need prayer, if you want someone to pray with you, come up. There are always people in this church who are more than willing to pray with you, to minister to you. Choose today. Pick your lamb. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray, Father, that it would seep into the very souls of who we are, God. Lord, that grace us that we would choose you. We can't even choose without your grace, God, but grace us to make the right choice, the better choice, the perfect choice in you, Jesus. Thank you.